Hello and welcome to episode 40 of the Sustainable E-Commerce Podcast, the show dedicated to helping you build your brand for a healthier planet. As always, I'm your host, Giles Smith. And in today's show, I get to chat with Saxon Wright, founder of a product that I use almost every day, the reusable Husky coffee cup. Now, as we head into 2023, there are heaps of reusable coffee cup brands, all aiming to make a dent in the billions and billions of disposable cups that end up in landfill or floating around the place every year. And by and large, they all follow the model laid down by Keep Cup all those years ago. But Husky are a little bit different. Firstly, they're the only brand that I know of, at least, that are tackling not just the disposable cup problem, but the vast piles of organic waste created by the coffee industry. In their case, by turning the waste stream of discarded coffee husks into a value stream for the farmers by actually including the husk material in their injection molding process. But while you can purchase their cups as a retail customer, as I have, their primary focus is on providing them as a reusable alternative for the cafes and restaurants, thus tackling the issue at scale. Saxon takes us on a fascinating behind-the-scenes look at how Husky came about and some of the many challenges they faced in bringing this remarkable product to market, as well as where their focus is as we head into 2023. So with that, let's start the show. Saxon, right? Welcome to the show. Giles, hi mate. It's good to be here. Like we were just saying, I've had my husky cup. Oh, I don't know, four, four, five months since my birthday in June. My wife bought it for me, having nagged her for quite a bit to pick one up and love it. Use it every single day. So it's such a thrill to have someone on the show whose product I'm actively using every single day. And so it's absolutely fantastic. But um, let's kick off. Uh, Saxon, what's your background and how did you come to start? Husky. Oh, look, it's a, it's a bit of a long story, really. My background's uh, deeper in, in the coffee space, really. I've uh, had a coffee roasting business, Pablo and Rusty's, and I've had numerous cafes over the years. Uh, and I've also, as a result of that, spent a fair bit of time at coffee farms, sourcing coffee, uh, traveling the world, which is uh, obviously an amazing part of the, the job I've had. Um, but one of the things that I think this kind of kept coming up is looking at waste, looking at the impact our industry is having at large, looking at the, I mean, from the cafe front end of the industry, um, there's obviously lots of, lots of problems there and, and takeaway cups has been one of those issues and, but also traveling to farms, seeing some of the issues there. So Husky was really, um, this, this idea that was born out of some of those early, um, ch- challenges that I saw and just some of those opportunities that were, were floating around. So, um, from, from way back in the day, um, as a, uh, I did chemistry at university and, and thinking through some of those things and then evolving into the coffee industry and I, I guess trying to tie them all together um, is is kind of how, how it started. Yeah, right. And of course, Pablo and Rusty's being a well-known uh, sustainably oriented coffee brand as well. So you've got an enormous pedigree in this space. But I've come to the conclusion that there are actually people living under rocks. So for anyone that is like <laughs> that, that happens to be tuning in here, what is the the impact of coffee cups in the world? What's the impact of the the coffee husks uh, that you're using for the product? Like, what what is the what is the central problem that you're really solving here? Yeah, so it's interesting. I mean, the original genesis of the Husky project was really looking at waste at farms, and so uh, coffee is an interesting. It's the fruit, actually. So, um, you know, we we often um, 
don't realize, I guess, where things come from. But coffee is a is a little berry, in fact, and and that berry, that little that little red fruit, um, we we take the skin off, and there's uh, a very small amount of fruit, and then the inside that is the seed, and the seed is what we roast and make our coffee from, which is delicious and fantastic. Um, but before we get that seed, we actually take this shell off, and it's otherwise known as husk, and that husk shell is often just discarded. And on farms, there's actually a, a huge amount. So where the processing mills are, uh, a lot of those, that husk just, just builds up and it will rot and attracts pests and um, and it's not used. And, and some people say, well, look, you know, why, why don't you just make compost out of it? And, and you can. Um, the problem is you just have way too much um, for really making, you know, a standard compost mix. So uh, it, so it just becomes a waste product and a lot of farms have to pay to get rid of it or try and do something else with it. So one of our ideas was to, to sort of look at it and go, well, what, what could we do with it? Wouldn't it be great if we could make a product out of that? Uh, and so the original idea was what can we make from husk and, and, and then balancing that with one of the problems at, at the cafe end, which was the takeaway cups. So um, one of the ideas that was floated around was wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be great if we could make a, a takeaway cup uh, alternative out of a waste product and so that's how husky kind of started and um and, tr- and trying to c- come up with that material that we then use to to make the cups yeah i mean the materiality of that is is a fascinating science project in itself isn't it i mean talk us through a little bit about the process that you went through to from a you know seeing a mountain of, of husks outside a farm to going oh no we can make coffee cups out of that let's go and do that like because one of the things i will say about the you know the husky cups is they're they're blooming robust i mean you know, like I've dropped mine several times, come a bit butterfingers, and it it does. You know, you can't see a dent in the thing. You know, so how did you how did you make such a durable product out of that? What was the what did that process look like? Oh, look, it, it took a while. I mean, it wasn't an easy project. I, you know, we probably went in a little naively, to be honest. I think we thought it would be easier than we uh, we thought. Um, but yeah, part of the part of the problem is actually looking at the husk as a uh, at, at its source, and we realised we needed to really protect it and and manage it, um, typically just gets dumped. And so what we, the first challenge we had was actually collecting it, storing it, uh, making sure it was food safe, testing it. So we had to go through a lot of testing procedures to ensure it's, it, it's compliant. Um, and then one of the biggest costs, in fact, is shipping it. It's, it's really bulky. And so we have to mill it down. We have to get it to a really sort of fine granular powder that we can work with. Um, and that, that in and of itself has took us a, a lot of time to try and work out well, how fine does it need to be? What's the, particle size do we need to get it to and who can do that for us um we don't do that ourselves we outsource that and so finding people that could manage it uh, was a huge part of the challenge um, mm. and then and then creating a uh, a material that we could compound it with to to mold it um and, and to get it to its final shape um but the, one of the benefits is that husk actually has these amazing properties it has these great thermal properties it's uh, one of those things that it is durable it doesn't shatter or break so um, certainly for, for cafe use or, or at home, it's it's uh, turned out pretty good. What sort of stuff are you mixing it with to end up with such a strong, non-crackable, almost bouncy but not quite product? I mean, it's it's incredible. Yeah, so we're we're close to half the cup is made from husk. So obviously, we have to use other materials wow. to do that, and we've experimented with a range of other uh, different resins to to work out where that lands. Um, and so the the resins we've ended up with are, are ones that are really designed to give it end of life and recyclability so the the goal one of the challenges we had is what what do we do with the end of life and 
And so this cup isn't actually biodegradable or compostable. And, and, and in fact, anything made from those different materials, um, bioresins are, are unlikely to compost, um, mm. just because of how thick it is and it's, and the way it's been molded under the temperatures it's, it's made in. Um, and so w- what we did is look at how, how does that get managed at the end of life? And so, um, where we've landed is a product that we, we can actually collect back. So we've got a husky, we call it our husky loop, um, system, which is recollecting any old or damaged broken cups and then turning them into new products. And so what we want to do is extend the, the usable life of the product as well as the end of life of the product. And, and by maximizing those two things, we will get the lowest possible carbon footprint or, or, or maximizing the life cycle of the product. Um, and in fact, we've just launched a new product, uh, which is a dog bowl. I saw that. Uh, and that is a, a product made a hundred percent of recycled cups. So oh. that, that's c- kind of the challenge we set ourselves is to collect those back and then turn them into new products. The, this product being the first and hopefully many more to follow. Congratulations on the product stewardship thinking around that. Very few organizations are at your level, um, you know, despite, you know, decades of evidence suggesting that's the way we need to move. So, you know, congratulations on taking such a leadership position with, you know, not just how to make the materials you're using at the start and, and, and the impact you're having overall, but then also what happens at the end of the product's life and being essentially closed loop. That's very smart and very impressive. But taking a step back out of materiality for a second and looking at the business model of, of what you do, there's some significant differences to everybody else out there in the marketplace, right? I mean, I think, you know, we probably the vast majority of people that are into the space of, uh, you know, reusable coffee cups will probably have heard other brands like Keep Cup and so on. And, you know, you can go anywhere these days and you can go and buy a reusable coffee cup. What makes Husky so different? Yeah. And look, I, I, I'm still off for any kind of reusable, right? I mean, I, 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 we certainly not trying to own it or, or, or take the whole market for ourselves. I think it's actually great. And, and the more people use uh, cups that, that can be uh, used multiple times is a good thing. Um, I guess the, the difference with what we're trying to do is think more holistically about what it looks like for a cafe. So our cups have actually been designed specifically for use on a coffee bar at, at scale. So in other words, when there's a queue of people and they're all trying to get their coffees in the morning, and everyone brings their own, it's actually very difficult for a bar to manage that. And, mm. and having operated quite a few coffee bars, what we found is actually as more and more people brought their own cup uh, and they might have worn it washed or we don't know the hygiene of it, we, uh, they're all different sizes. Uh, so it, it, it makes getting the, the drink ratios right uh, a bit trickier. So all of, all of those things combined made it um, a little problematic. And so what we wanted to do is actually think through what would a system look like if we could streamline that process start to finish. And so Husky itself is actually designed as much for the barista or the, or the coffee bar as it is the consumer. And obviously, it's going to be great for the consumer to enjoy. But as part of a broader system, I guess one of the benefits of our cup is it can be it can participate in what we call our Husky Swap Program, which enables someone to drop off a cup and then it gets exchanged. So you don't get your same cup back, you get a different cup. Um, that's that's part of a system that the cafe has a, a small float of cups available, uh, and that it's a much more streamlined in and out process for the both for the customer, so it's faster for them, uh, and it's much simpler for the for the cafe to to operate. And certainly, as more and more people do it, it's it's something that I think will become 
not just beneficial but necessary for a cafe to to make it work tom if you're listening who's my who's my local barista who has a little hole in the wall uh coffee shop who i go to every day you know take take note of that because uh, as much as i'm happy to bring mine every day and take mine away again it'd be awesome to have a swap system uh at, at my local there so tom if you're listening that that shout outs for you mate um so so that's a big difference though isn't it from a business model perspective because i guess what that means is there's a, a, a big fat chunk of your marketing effort goes into onboarding cafes rather than just being a pure retail play like like most of the other brands i guess yeah, and that's definitely a challenge and we're trying to work with cafe owners to understand the implications as as things progress and change and as the cost of single-use cups goes up and up and and whilst there is a move towards compostables they're also more expensive so there's a real value proposition for cafes if they can transition people away from single use. Mm. Um, but on top of that, obviously, there's there's more and more demand from consumers. And it's really when there's a critical mass and, and the numbers become unsustainable that a system actually is what's going to make things a, a lot easier for everyone. Um, but it is a challenge. And, you know, we're not we're not hiding from that and, and definitely, you know, trying to walk consumers through a behavior change where you actually drop off a cup and don't get your exact same cup back. Uh, is is a change and it's something that they're going to have to get used to um but you know i think we're seeing good progress you know with the with the way people think about takeaway uh single-use shopping bags and and other things in this in the space um it, it it's definitely possible and i think once once people understand how new systems can work i think you know we should see some really good traction yeah and and i think you know you mentioned um you know compostable cups there for a minute i mean i'm sure for you as well but certainly for me it's a bit of a bugbear because most of those in fact are not uh, well, not compostable in the sense that you can take them home and bury them in your garden, and and they'll they'll decompose. Um, you know, they still they've still got linings, they've still got wax coatings, they've still got bits of plastic in them, and all sorts of other bits and pieces, which make them not as eco friendly as they're made out to be. Which which just brings us right full circle back to the fact that reu- reusable is the way forward, right? It's it's the the far better model for all this stuff. Yeah, and there's lots to be said about single use, even compostables. And and look, you know, Pablo and Rusty's, we were very early on to compostable single-use cups you know 10 years ago um, but it doesn't change the fact that uh, a lot of them don't end up in compost mm. uh, they still end up in landfill they're still u- using uh, native uh, and uh, unsustainable forestry to to produce the pulp it, it's there's still a huge carbon footprint in shipping them by containers all over the world um, so so there's still a huge environmental cost with single use just because you could put it in the compost doesn't mean they do and doesn't mean there's no impact either so I think it's good to be aware of that impact, and and there's also a health implication because those the, the lining of single use actually release microplastics into your system, and there's now some pretty significant studies showing that every cup of coffee coffee you're consuming thousands of pieces of microplastic you're ingesting that, mm. um, and the the hot liquids, especially acidic drinks like coffee, are breaking down those linings anyway. So um, there's still research being done there, but it's it doesn't look good. So from a health perspective, environmental perspective, cost perspective, it's it, it really doesn't stack up. So I think single use um, needs to be phased out ultimately. And, and I think will uh, as we start to see councils, governments um, all over the world start to shift away. But, uh, you know, realistically, as individuals, we need to take responsibility as well. And, and as businesses, we need to, to start to inform consumers about some of those challenges and and be leaders in the in the marketplace to shift away from it. Yeah, I, and hopefully, certainly here in New South Wales, now that we've seen, you know, the the shift towards uh, not single use, generally in the catering industry, with you know paper plates and or polystyrene plates and plastic knives and forks and all that sort of stuff, start to get, you know, essentially banned. 
you know that that's going to help with this whole mindset shift isn't it towards reusable and and you know and towards non-single use perhaps just to put it that way which makes a lot of sense so so that's that's pretty exciting to see but talking i mean that's just that's just looking at a very very local view in the grand scheme of things right new south wales i mean you, you obviously you're you're an australian brand but i see you've got presence in the us and the uk as well so how are you managing all that like how when did you launch over there and how, how's that process going yeah it's a, it's a challenge for sure I mean, we actually, I think we're in about 80 or 90 countries now. So we've wow. expanded pretty rapidly. Um, now we don't manage all of those territories ourselves. So we work with distributors and partners that have imported our products and, and we support them, but it's uh, definitely a, a very broad diversified product now in terms of its global distribution. Uh, but we originally launched on Kickstarter actually. And so we had a campaign and it went great. Um, and what we found off that though, is we had a lot of interest internationally through Kickstarter. So that really gave us a, a small but very broad geographic spread. And so off the back of that, we then have just been trying to fulfill some of that demand, um, which, which, which is great at, at a product level. Uh, one of the challenge for us is how do we think about the stewardship of the product and how do we recollect in some of those territories? So it's, it's really easy to sell into different territories, but what about collecting back the products that we, you know, we say we are going to do something with? Mm. So, at the moment, that's actually part of our challenge is, is setting up collection centers, working with our distributors to receive back any damaged or broken products. Um, so because of that that limitation we've placed on ourselves, it's, it's created some challenges, um, but certainly ones where we're keen to work through to solve. Yeah. Um, but, but then the US and the UK, we do ourselves. So we run our own online uh, e-commerce stores uh, in Australia, UK, US. Uh, and manage those through our three PL partners. Obviously, you've got two two different parts here. You've got the the manufacturing of the cups, you know, initially, and then you've got, like you just said, the loop system where you have to gather it all up and then re- essentially reprocess that material. Is that done in the same place, or is it done in, in two different kind of factories or facilities? Yeah. So the repurposing of of our product, our goal is to actually work with local manufacturers all over the world to find smaller uh, bespoke. Uh, molding companies that can take our products, grind it down and, and make new products. So yeah, we, to, to keep our footprint as low as possible, uh, what we'd like to do is work with many partners that uh, potentially have existing molds or we work with other brands that have products that could utilize our material um, or we design our own custom products that could be used um, in those areas. So yeah, the, the goal is we would then redistribute locally uh, with locally collected product yeah. uh, rather than sending it all back to where we centrally produce them in the first instance. Yeah, that, that makes 100% sense. And so, you know, from a, from anyone, from any partner point of view that's that would be interested in being part of that network, is that process to repurpose that material very similar to essentially reprocessing or, or recycling plastic and, and putting it back into a usable material? Or is it, are there some, are there some, I mean, you maybe don't want to share everything, but is, is there some tricks in there that, that we need to be aware of? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. I mean, we one of the advantages of our product is that we use very similar equipment to standard PP injection molding equipment. Yeah. Uh, and that makes it, yeah. And, and again, that's that was by design in the materiality at the outset so that we could utilize standard setup equipment anywhere in the world uh, for repurposing. Now, there are some very specific requirements we have of our material. You can't just push it through at the same settings, but, but they're all tunable. So, and which we know and are pretty com- comfortable with. So we can work with pretty much any injection molder to, to make that happen. Yeah. Uh, which makes it a pretty easy process. Yeah. Um, and our dog bowls, for example, was a, was a really good uh, trial run of, of, of that at scale, working with a, 
a company down in Melbourne uh, and grinding them all up, pushing them through. And it took a few goes, but we we got there once we worked through the settings that we require. Yeah, amazing. I mean, that that's again, it, it all goes comes all the way back to um, to design thinking, uh, doesn't it? You know, to how do you make that process easy? Because it's easy. It would be super easy to get caught in the trap of designing a really cool product using a really in- innovative material, and then decide, and then later on deciding, oh, well, we want to repurpose this, but then having to have a whole bunch of unique machinery and unique processes in order to be able to reuse it. But what you've done is essentially create. From a, a very unusual material in, in the husks, you've, you've created something that just fits into the existing infrastructure, which is which is super smart. Yeah, the, and the other thing I'd add to that is something that I think is where we're seeing a, a huge problem in recycling in general, where part of the cost of recycling is the separation and management of the, the input materials. And we have to get the economics of recycling lower than the cost of using virgin materials. And, you know, that's quite straightforward when it's copper or, or some of the metals because that, that, there's, there's an easy economics. But mm. for plastics and, and other single-use products, that just doesn't exist. So, so for us, the separation process, it was really critical. And that's why we actually only have two colours because we wanted the, the simplicity of separation and management of that so that any new products could be done easily. So we have to think about how we can simplify that collection and recycling process to get the economies down. Uh, to make it sustainable and achievable to to make new products and and continue to add value to that raw material. So you've built though quite a quite a complex business in in some considerations in terms of the way that you're marketing. So you've got multiple online stores, you've got your multiple partnerships, you've got your wholesalers. Where's your focus in all of that? Is it, have you got one channel that's absolutely killing it for you, or are you or are you just trying to do balance all of these these spinning plates? Oh, look, it's definitely a challenge, and I think that's. That's definitely stretched us. Um, look at, at the moment, it's, they all kind of work together. I think they actually all support each other synergistically pretty well. So the online store works, works well, but it isn't, you know, so far ahead of the others. You know, we really depend on our, our, our global distributors to access new markets and our wholesalers and cafe markets is really critical for us. And that's a, a really important way for consumers to find us and get to know it because that's where they hear the story and, and can be part of the system and, and be part of that, that cafe program, you know, the swap program. So they all kind of work together. I, I think there's no real one standout. It's, it is diversified. It does take more effort, but I think it's, it's, as we grow, it's, it's definitely making more and more sense. I think if we stay really small, it, it, it's unmanageable, but with a certain size and look, you know, we're not, we're not hiding from the fact that we want to grow, you know, for us having a, a change or, or affecting change at scale is something that we, think is really important and so you know we are ambitious and we do want to grow so i think all of these things will make more sense as we grow um yeah and i think we're starting to see some of the fruit of that now yeah and look i mean you know this this has to be for any organization that is making an impact that is influencing behavior for the sustainability of our planet growth is absolutely critical right i mean we we you know sometimes sometimes the sustainability rhetoric you know is around degrowth and it's around you know selling less of stuff but when you are a brand like yours that is genuinely helping consumers do better and essentially the more of your stuff that gets out there in the world the less of there is of the of the of the nasties the the plastic coated cups and and all the rest of it growth is an essential element of having an impact right i mean we have to think about it that way yeah definitely i mean I, it's funny I, I meet coffee farmers that that have seen our product and they're like oh you know did do you need any more husk? <laughs> We've got so much husk, you know, like a help, help us, you know, <laughs> take, take it from us. You know, so it's, it's a funny thing, you know, there's, there's definitely a, a, a waste problem 
you know, at the farm level. And, and we, we actually pay the farmers for that husk too. Normally they often have to pay to get rid of it or, or cost them to manage it. So for them to get another revenue stream is really important. But, but just dealing with it at, at that level is a big deal. Uh, and, and all the way through. And look, you know, there's a billion takeaway cups a year or whatever the number is. It's just staggering. I don't think anyone really knows, but it's, we, we know it's big. Uh, of cups that are just hitting landfill, hitting our waterways and, and doing damage. So, yeah, we, we want to make a dent in that. We want to see a shift away. And, and so, yeah, it has to happen at scale for sure. As coffee lovers and, and as really anyone that's ever been to a, to, to a cafe and taken away a cup, we kind of intuitively understand that there's a lot of those, right? There's a lot of those that end up in landfill. But I just want to read out uh, for the sake of the show a couple of statistics that are literally on your homepage, which I just think are so in your face that it's worth sharing, um, if you don't mind. So the the, fir- the first one is Australians consume more than 50,000 cups of coffee every half an hour. I mean, that in itself is just mind blowing. I guess it's not all in takeaway cups, but still, it's incredible statistic. And, and just leaning on what you just said, 600 billion disposable coffee cups are produced worldwide every year. I mean, that's just a frightening amount of stuff, you know, knowing that essentially all of those go into landfill. That's staggering. 99.7% of disposable coffee cups are not recycled at all. And then 60,000 kilos of waste from cups go into landfill each year in Australia. 60,000 kilos. You know, when you think about that, that's all mind-blowing statistics, you know, so you can just see how important the work is that you're actually doing with something that is, you know, I think we, we regard ourselves here in Australia as a nation of coffee lovers. Um, you know, there's even ads about that, I think, now. Uh, so, my goodness, what a, what a massive impact, you know, what, what a massive space you're having, you're trying to have an impact on. It's incredible. Yeah, and we, I mean, we have to, right? I mean, we have to shift. It, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty crippling. And, and, you know, for me, I've been personally really affected looking at some of the deforestation and some of the things happening both here and overseas, but down in, down in Tasmania. There's still old growth forests being logged to make pulp to make coffee cups. I mean, it's heartbreaking to watch. So mm. I'm, I'm certainly have a personal drivers that, that I want to see change. Um, but I think as, as businesses, we can all, you know, be part of that transition. And, and as consumers, you know, one of the things I say is, well, you know, sit down and have a coffee. You know, you don't always have to take it on the go or, you know, if you do find a cup, take a replacement and, um, and even better if you join a system that makes it sustainable for the cafes as well, you know. So I think we've all got a, a part to play, um, to, you know, to tackle this problem head on. Absolutely. You mentioned there, you know, something you'd seen yourself, which, you, you know, is sort of you, you bear very close to your heart. Was there a was there a moment somewhere in that journey between, you know, running Pablo and Rusty's and, you know, deciding to start up Husky where you thought, OK, this is the tipping point for me. This is now and now I have to take action. This is something that means that I've got to push through what could be quite a challenging process uh, and do something about it. Was that was there a moment that you can think of that actually sort of sticks out to you? Look, I don't think there was a single moment, if I'm honest. I think it was a, a lot of little moments stacking up. And I think the momentum of that and seeing what's happening at, at, at farms with coffee, with my own personal uh, enjoyment of, of nature and getting out and, and seeing wild places uh, and and seeing them disappear slowly. Um, and also just being in the industry and wanting to do something and playing uh, playing a part and and actually being part of a solution. So I think all of those little things coming together mm. kind of forced a, a sense of action and a sense of, um, you know, what, what can I do? What can I do as an individual? But but also what can I do as a, as a business and as, a, as an operator? Obviously, you know, scale brings impact. So what's 
what's kind of next on the agenda for Husky? You kind of you're kind of on the way, on the path to world domination anyway, with all the different places <laughs> that you're distributing into. As the founder, as, as the leader of the brand, as leader of the business, as the leader of this revolution, what's front of your mind that you need to be working on right now to to, to help that scale? Yeah, look, there's a couple of things that were obviously are, are really critical for us. And and we are at a critical stage now where, you know, I think we want to see real momentum take place in the swap program. So we'd love to really scale that. It's it's quite solid in Australia. We're getting good traction in a couple of countries overseas, but to, to really build out the the swap program where we're making updates to our app, where we're really trying to promote that and, and get into some really key locations to help people understand that this could be a really great solution. So we're really trying to build that out. Uh, we, we are looking at new products. So we obviously want to keep building out our end of life products. So over over the next few years we will start seeing more cups being returned that have been damaged or broken or you know they're being used a lot in cafes and corporate settings so uh we we want to make sure that we're not just talking about it but actually delivering on achieving something great on the other end of that so yeah thinking through and coming up with new products is is pretty key so we're developing that and, and we're also working on other materials so we're starting to look at other recycled plastics we're looking at um, recycled glass. We're looking at a few other projects where we could create value with other end of life materials. So really thinking about the providence of materiality and, and shifting or, or creating solutions for some of those things where there, where there just isn't enough demand for them. And so we can create demand if we can design and create products that, that are useful, desirable, beautiful, functional, um, and, and sourced from materials that are no longer n- needed or discarded or, or no one can do anything with them. So yeah, uh, that's that's definitely the, the broader direction we'd love to head. A- absolutely awesome. And so in talking of, of direction and, and I guess to a degree signaling, you you guys have, have gone through the B Corp process reasonably recently. I'm not quite sure exactly when you went through that. How was that process? Like how did you, well, first of all, why did you decide to do it? Because it's quite an undertaking, right? Especially for someone that's actually got some scale already. Uh, and why did you decide to do it and how did you find it all? Yeah, B Corp's an amazing certification. I mean, I think it's 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 still young and I think people are still learning about what it is. And, and for those that don't know, it's basically a, a business level certification that just demonstrates uh, social, environmental uh, and governance responsibilities uh, and good stakeholder management. But it's a third party certification that just ensures you, you meet a, a pretty strict set of criteria. Uh, and so for us, that was just a good reference check. And, you know, on one hand, I think, yeah, we're doing some good things and, and making a difference, but we also want to be held accountable and we want a third party to come in and say, yeah, this is what you're doing well. And, and maybe this is the things you're not doing well and you need to sort out and get better at. So uh, for us, it was a, it was a process for, for internal improvement. We really wanted to get our own, you know, make sure our, our backyard was clean and, and clear and, and we're doing things right. Um, and, and held to a certain standard that's, not internally driven, but 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 clearly and well established and and proven in the marketplace as a, as a great uh, model for running a business. So so for us, it was just it was critical that the coffee company that I'm part of is yeah or well started was is B Corp as well. Um, so I had some familiarity with it, I guess I, that that obviously helped. Mm. Um, but having said that, it's still not easy. You still got to jump through a lot of hoops. You got to get things in order. You got to get you know everything set up well and make sure your supply chain's really solid and. Yeah. You know, it's tracked all the way through that you've got all the life cycle analysis done and, and it's again, third party certified. So, uh, yeah, it's a really thorough process and certainly recommend it to any business that's, that's focused on sustainability to look at. And, and I think as the brand B Corp grows, I think that'll help consumers really recognize and see businesses that are doing good and, and can support them and get behind them and, and know that 
they're, they're actually doing what they say they're doing. Yeah. So having having been through that process essentially twice now, uh, from what you're saying, uh, what little tips and tricks could you point out to other brands that are thinking of doing it? How do they get their ducks in a line to make that as easy let's just say in with lowercase <laughs> e uh as as it's possible to make it or as or as perhaps as seamless as it's possible to be yeah it's look i mean i think you can you can actually jump online there's a the the questionnaire the base questionnaire is online you can just work your way through it so you can get a sense check of how close you are um having said that i think it, you just need to look at every aspect of your business really and and so i would say for every business they should be looking at it because if nothing else you just become aware of where your gaps are and you start to get insights as to say, okay, well, maybe there's things we can do differently and we, we could improve or should improve on. And I, I think every business is at, at a different sustainability level, you know, but de- depending on, you know, what they do or, or how they go about it. Um, but I think as businesses, we all need to become more sustainable. So I would just say start the process. I think all businesses should try and get it um, and at least work towards having some kind of third party look at their business and and if nothing else you know as consumers become more aware and are looking for these kinds of things you, you're missing out if you're not so hmm. um i I, th- I think there's a you know there's value just at a business level to become certified um not you know notwithstanding just becoming a better business um, yeah. in your own right i think it's certainly picked up speed here in the last, oh, I don't know, 18 months, two years or so, hasn't it? And they seem, they seems like got a long backlog of people they're assessing at the moment, which must mean that demand for it here in Australia has, has, has certainly picked up, which, which, which goes to signal what you're saying that, you know, eventually you're missing out if you don't have one of these things, uh, you know, if, if you don't have B Corp certification. But in terms of your launch into the US, did you feel that it was instrumental in that process? Cause it's massive over there, isn't it? Yeah. I think it's definitely got more traction over there in, in, in a lot of ways. Um, uh, I mean, we're still quite young in the U S really uh, relative to the scale of the market. Um, but it's definitely helped us get a foothold early and just certainly find an audience that does care about this kind of thing. Yeah. Um, it, it, it speaks to that and, and it helps grow that little bit quicker. So yeah, it's definitely been useful. Uh, as we move into the US and really try and pick up pace over there. Very, very cool. Well, Saxon, thank you so much for uh, spending time with us today. Where can people go to pick up some Husky products? Well, look, the best is probably go to your local cafe, and if they don't have them, to ask them to get them in. <laughs> um, Good call. Because uh, we'd love the cafes to get on board as well and, and just to think about the system and, and to stock them. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, we, our website, our, just husky.co, husky.co is, is online and, and ready to go. Saxon, thanks so much for spending time with us today. It's been fascinating exploring the inside of Husky from from your perspective. And uh, and thanks for uh, sharing so much with the listeners. Thanks, Giles. I appreciate it. It's been great to be on the show. And look, you know, if anyone has any questions or thoughts, like most of it's on the website, um, you know, they can check it out there. But otherwise, we'd love to hear from people. And uh, and it's great seeing people get on the on the journey of getting rid of single-use takeaway cups. And uh, hopefully we can all make a difference together. Back to Giles again for my top takeouts. Aside from the obvious issues around coffee cups going into landfill, it was eye-opening to hear that even truly compostable cups rarely end up in compost and still have a significant impact in terms of their carbon footprint and things like shipping, not to mention the forestry impact of trees used to create the wood pulp. Reusable is clearly better But Saxon's perspective from the point of view of the coffee bar trying to service every make and model of different cup was an interesting one. And you can see how standardization is going to help with efficiency and cafeteria waste.
Saxon is setting a great example with rethinking and extracting new value from what was traditionally being regarded as a waste stream. Coffee husks are produced in huge quantities and either left to rot or transported somewhere to be burned or dumped into landfill on a commercial scale, all of which add to greenhouse gas emissions. But by uncovering useful properties of husks, like their robustness and thermal insulation properties, Saxon's team have been able to turn waste into useful raw material and not only reduce landfill, reduce greenhouse gas emissions, but also provide a new value stream for the coffee farmers. And the lesson for this for everyone is to see if there are waste streams in your own supply chains that you could access and find new uses for as well. And finally, I really loved hearing how the Husky team are approaching product stewardship, specifically what happens to their products at the end of life. All products have an end of life, and increasingly consumers as well as legislators are expecting brands that make those products to take responsibility for what happens to it once the consumers finish with it. With international participation in mind, Saxon knew that not only would they need to be able to collect up those disused products in an efficient way, but actually make use of the collected material by recycling and creating new products using the local infrastructure in each case. That kind of capability is only possible with careful thought and planning at the product design stage, especially when you're using unusual materials like in Husky's case, but equally where your product's comprised of a mix of different materials. If you're planning on releasing new products through 2023 and beyond, now is a great time to consider that end-of-life processing because it's only going to become more important and more expected moving forward. With governments around the world clamping down on single-use plastics, including coffee cups, I think Husky is incredibly well-placed to see an explosion of growth as hospitality outlets around the world look for reusable solutions. So they're definitely going to be a brand to watch. I'll be back again next week with more stories from the world of sustainable e-commerce. So until then, keep building your brand for a healthier planet.